Hi, it's Jess Fisher. You're listening to episode nine of Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, the educator's version, where we explore some of the science featured in the story. Keep listening to the end of this episode to hear me and Nate Dufort talk about desert ecology with David Mizajewski, naturalist with the National Wildlife Federation. Chapter 9, Aunt Callie. Stay away from the yellow sack, okay? What's in it? Just trust me. I think it's dangerous. Iowa, I'm so sorry. I didn't know about Callie. It's okay. Neither did I. Maybe we should just give her the dog. No, we can't do that. I know you've waited forever to meet an animal, but... Doggo is the last of his kind. We were on a mission, Gideon, and now you are too. A mission to where? To Haven, to save the world. I hope. Shh, I think I hear her coming. Here you go. Make sure not to drink all the water at once. Callie, if we could just... In those few seconds, I could see that the landscape was changing. The mountains receding into what must have been a desert. When she wasn't tossing us food, Callie mostly stayed away from the hatch. She didn't want to talk. But some nights, I could hear her up there. And I wondered if maybe, just maybe, she was checking on me. Gideon and Doggo are sleeping. It's just us, Callie. I'm not mad at you anymore. Well, maybe a little. But I get that you were desperate. Are desperate. This world makes a lot of people that way. Mostly I'm just confused. You know? About what's real and what isn't. Because I can't believe that all of that time you spent looking after me was fake. But it's also this. I guess you'd call it a prophecy. Child and dog entering haven. In the song mom and dad used to sing me. And after Doggo and I made it through the mountain and survived the swarm, the cave, I started to believe it was all true. That it was meant to be. Written in the stars. But here we are. Callie? You're gonna be okay, Iowa. I watched you grow up, and I knew you were strong, but I never imagined that that you made it this far on your own. And once Doggo, once the dog is out of your life, you'll be just fine. You're better than this, Callie. You don't have to go through with it. Iowa, I... Iowa? (sighs) Who are you talking to? No one. Go back to sleep, Gideon. It's okay, doggo. He's hungry. I know that because I am too. We'll be out of here soon, one way or another. 
After a while, we lost track of the days and nights altogether. And the longer we floated down the river, the less food Callie dropped down the hatch. Until one day. Gideon, what was that? Land. I felt the boat hit land. I think we're here. Here? Here where? Wherever Callie's taking Daco. So, does that mean she's gonna let us out? I don't know, but this is our chance. Our chance to do what? Escape. All of us. Doggo too. Great idea, but how are we gonna do that? Well, to take Doggo, she's going to have to pull him out of the hatch, right? Yeah. And when she does, we strike. You mean like, attack her? Grab her. Pull her below deck. Hit her with anything you can get your hands on. Old cans, your shoes, just start fighting. She's a lot bigger than us, and my shoes aren't much of a weapon. Yeah, but we got a secret weapon. You trained Taco to attack? No, he does what he wants to. But he helped me before, and I'm pretty sure if he sees us in distress, he's going to jump in. And then what? And then we climb out of here and run. I don't think we can outrun her. Okay, then we swim for it. Iowa? Look, this is our only chance to keep Doggo safe. Are you in or not? I'm in. Doggo? Attaboy. Let's see those teeth. She unlocked the hatch. This is it. Battle station, boys. At the ready. Aye, aye, chief. Gideon Doggo and I stood there, frozen, waiting for Callie to open the hatch and stick her head down, waiting to strike. We waited, then waited. Why isn't she coming down? I don't know. I don't hear anything up there. Do you? Finally, after what felt like hours, I was done waiting. That's it. What? What are you doing? I'm going up there. Up there? Are you sure? We can't wait forever. We'll starve down here. I'm taking a packet of the powder from Mama Bee's sack. I'll keep it in my pocket, just in case. Okay, be careful. A little late for that. Here goes. Yeah. Whoa. Bright light. What do you see? Is Callie up there? No. She's gone. What? Uh, Callie's gone. There's no one up here. We've run aground in the desert. Whoa. Hot out here. Gideon, help Doggo get out of the hatch. Here, Doggo. There you go. Doggo! What's he doing? Food. Callie was holding out on us. So much food. Easy, Doggo. Slow down. Yeah, easy. Same some for us. Ah, sweet, wet water. Wait, where did she go? Did something happen to her? We'll figure it out. Okay, you're right. I'll think clearer once I have something in my stomach. We had a great morning of eating and drinking. After all that time in the hatch, even the hot desert sun couldn't bother us. Maybe I had gotten through to Callie. Maybe she just decided to... 
Told you not to eat so fast, Doggo. Now you're going to need a nap. We don't have time for naps. We have to get off this boat in case Callie comes back. Relax, Iowa. I think we... Look at that. Double and worth two. Hang on. Gideon. Gideon! Huh? I'm just gonna lie down for a minute. Oh, oh no. Oh, this is... No! I tried hard to focus hey, while my brain was going don't... fuzzy and my vision... My vision was blurry. I was too tired to move. But I held my eyelids open long enough to see... Hey, Iowa. How you feeling, kid? Callie, no. It's okay, little one. Don't fight it. What did you put in the food? Just some herbs I picked up in Junktown. You'll sleep for a while and then everything will be okay. Here we go, Doggo. Okay. Doggo. It's for the best. Hey, if it wasn't me, it would be Whistler or someone even worse. Take care, Iowa. I'm sorry. No. In the last seconds before I lifted off, I watched helplessly as Callie loaded Doggo into a cage sitting on the back of a cart. She took one final look back and disappeared into the desert. Doggo! feast. Huh. Plenty of beans left. Mmm. No, we... Uh, stop! Mm. Don't eat those beans! But I'm still hungry. Uh, Gideon, spit those out right now! Mm. What's the problem? Those beans were poisoned! Poisons? Kelly <laughs> put herbs in them to make us fall asleep. What? Are you sure? Yes! Don't do all the food in the water. What about dinner? Poison, remember? All of it. Gideon, look around. What do you see? What am I supposed to see? You're supposed to see Doggo. Oh. Where did he go? Callie took him. She came back? Yes, she knocked us out. And she took him. And if we don't find her, she's probably going to sell him. Wait. This was all a plan? She let the food out for us to... Come on. Before I passed out, I saw her load Doggo onto a cart. We can follow the tracks. Are you sure you want to do this? I mean, we're free and safe. Kinda. We're not abandoning Doggo. Because of the song. Because we're not. Follow the tracks, Gideon. All the tracks, Gideon. Are the tomatoes poisoned too? Welcome to Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, the educator's version, where we dig into the actual science behind the episodes of Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog. I'm Nate Dufort, who some of you may know from the shows Unspookable and Reach, a space podcast for kids. And with me, as always, from Gen Z Media and Six Minutes Rewind is Jess Fisher. How's it going, Jess? 
I, I'm okay. Um, uh, hello to everyone except for Aunt Callie. Oh, what a <laughs> bummer. What is she doing? So let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm, true. What happened on today's episode? Well, this episode is called Aunt Callie, but I'm not sure she deserves it because she's got her heroes locked underneath the boat and she plans to bring Doggo to auction and sell him to the highest bidder. Iowa and Gideon, waking up after having been drugged, set out to save their furry buddy. What? Callie. Come on. So many challenges in this episode and then only to end up in the desert. Mm -hmm. Uh, The interesting thing is how many misconceptions I had about desert regions before I had a great conversation with David Mizajewski, naturalist with the National Wildlife Federation. David Mizajewski, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. On today's episode, our characters find themselves in a desert for the first time. What actually is a desert. Deserts, first of all, are super cool ecosystems. And what most people think of in terms of a desert is that it's really, really dry and really, really hot. And that's sort of true. So a desert is an ecosystem that is kind of defined by the lack of water resources. And so there's many different kinds of deserts, different deserts all around the world. And they're not all alike, but the thing that they do share in common, again, is a sort of limited amount of water. But some deserts are indeed very hot, like we see in the movies and the cartoons, but other deserts are actually kind of cold. Sometimes it even snows in deserts and it does rain in some deserts and that kind of thing. So they're incredibly diverse ecosystems um, that are defined by a, a limited amount of water. Given the full range of weather and temperature that can occur in desert regions, One can assume that animals and wildlife have to be relatively adaptive. What does it take to survive and what types of animals can survive there? Well, all sorts of wildlife can survive in deserts. And and that's why I want to make sure we dispel the myth that deserts are kind of wastelands. You know, they are just as thriving and diverse as, as other ecosystems. You know, they might not have as many species as, say, a tropical forest, but depending on the desert, there can be a a good amount of life living within it and adapted to it. So if you think about, again, that defining characteristic of a desert, which means that there's just not a lot of water resources or not as much as other kinds of ecosystems, how do animals and plants too evolve to be able to live in that environment? And there's like so many different survival strategies and adaptations that have developed everything from you know, developing the ability to go long periods without actually drinking liquid water. Camels are a great example, right? They're the kind of classic desert animal that we always think about. And they can go long stretches of time without actually drinking liquid water. A lot of other animals are like that too. And many of those kinds of animals have evolved, again, to be able to extract the moisture they need out of the food that they eat, which is oftentimes plants. Um, In some cases, it's other animals too. You know, in the case of camels, they're also storing in their hump, it's basically fat. And the fat actually has water in it, as well as calories, right? And so in in desert environments where these animals don't have a lot of food or water, they can actually live off of that. So that's one strategy. Other things that some desert animals do is they have evolved the ability to totally close their nostrils and really, really long eyelashes. And what this does is protects against the brutal winds and sands that sandstorms that can happen in some desert ecosystems. Other animals are adapted to basically stay underground as much as possible. 
this is something that you see a lot in some of the really hot deserts um, because the sun is just so brutal that it's much better for them to be active at night when it cools down significantly. There are even plant adaptations that allow plants to survive in desert ecosystems. And again, they're usually centered around water, right? So plants are going to lose water through their leaves. So a lot of desert plants actually don't have leaves at all. Think of plants like cactus or other succulents or agave and things like that. That helps them reduce the amount of water that they lose right through their, you know, through their cells, essentially. So lots of different strategies that organisms have evolved to survive in those desert ecosystems. Truly incredible. So maybe an unfair question to ask of the animal species that live in the desert. Do you have any favorites or do any favorites come to mind? Oh my gosh, this is the one question that you should never ask an animal <laughs> geek and a nature lover because there's no one answer. I love them all, but if you had to uh, press me, I would just off the top of my head say that I'm really fond of Gila monsters. Number one, they have a cool name. It's any animal that has monster in the name is like right up my alley. But Gila monsters are these really cool lizards that live in the American desert Southwest. And they've got these kind of, very strange shaped bodies. You know, we think of lizards as having, as having long tails and they're kind of quick and they scurry. Gila monsters are not that. They're kind of, they're kind of rotund and they've got these thick stumpy legs and a big fat tail. And that tail is important because it's used very similar to a camel's hump. The Gila monster stores fat in that tail that it can live off of during the many months out of the year that it remains inactive. So these animals really only come out for brief periods during the year usually in the springtime, uh, kind of the rainy season of the Sonoran Desert where they live, and they come out and they feed. They eat things like quail eggs and insects and maybe even some baby rabbits. I know that makes people sad, but, you know, all part of the ecosystem. And then they get all that the nutrients they need, and then they'll go back into their burrows underground and essentially go dormant and just nap for the rest of the year. That actually sounds kind of nice to me, so. <laughs> oh, it sounds amazing. I have to say of any animal I'm familiar with, uh, I relate to the Gila monster now more than anything. <laughs> oh, and also they are venomous. They're one of the few venomous lizards that we have. Now, not really a danger to people as long as we practice the golden rule, and that is never try to get close to or touch or pick up or pet or bring home any wild animal. Doesn't matter if it's a squirrel or a bug or a Gila monster. If you do that to an animal, you're going to frighten it and you're going to increase the chances that it's going to try to defend itself and bite or scratch you. So as long as you don't try to ever pick up a Gila monster, even though they do have venomous fangs in the back of their mouth and, you know, could, could make you pretty sick if they get you, as long as you don't touch them, you're going to be fine. You know, one of the largest themes on our show is dealing with the effects of climate change. What is climate change doing to our deserts on the planet Earth? Yeah, it's hard to talk about any ecosystem on Earth without touching on, on the issue of climate change, because it really is happening at a global scale. Just to kind of define what it is, it's sort of the global raising of the average temperature. So again, sometimes people, just like people think of deserts, like you see them in the movies where it's just nothing with scorching and, and sand as far as the eye can see. Global climate change doesn't necessarily mean that everywhere is going to get hotter. But what it does mean is that our current ecosystems and our, and our current climate are being destabilized, right? And so we're going to get more uh, major weather events, you know, stronger hurricanes and drier summers. In some cases, that means more rain and more cold temperatures, right? And so one of the one of the overarching effects is in many places that the weather patterns are being disrupted and there is less moisture. So we're expecting 
through all the climate models to see an, kind of an increase in desertification of ecosystems that currently are not deserts. And while deserts are really cool and amazing, if you're an animal adapted to a temperate forest or a tropical forest or a wetland, and suddenly in a very short period of time, evolutionarily speaking, that turns into a desert, those species are not going to be able to survive. They might even go extinct. So it's a big, it's a big issue. It's a big issue for our planet that we human beings are causing. It's such an important discussion. I appreciate you sharing about it through the lens of your work. Uh, finally, can you tell me about your work with the National Wildlife Federation? Sure. Yeah. So my title is naturalist and a naturalist is just somebody that knows a lot about nature and then helps other people to understand it, which is what I'm doing here today. And so I'm really lucky that, um, you know, most naturalists work in zoos or nature centers or national parks. I get to do my work as a naturalist, mostly in the media. So I do a lot of television appearances and I posted series on Animal Planet and Natchea Wild. And I do a lot of talk show appearances talking about animals and nature. It's really cool. I love doing podcasts. I write for, you know, magazines and for books and do lots of interviews. So I'm kind of all over the place, but I'm at heart a nature geek. I grew up loving animals and nature. I got the chance as a kid to run around and play in nature, which is so important. And a lot of kids are, aren't getting the chance to do that. So if parents and grandparents are listening, really encourage you to get your kids outdoors. So um, I do a lot of that kind of work to help get the message about how important it is to protect wildlife and protect our planet and how when we do that, it's also helping us too, because who wants to live on a planet where, you know, we don't have clean air, we don't have clean water, and we don't have any atoms. Well, David Mizajewski, thank you so much for joining us here today. You're very welcome. I agree. I think any animal that has monster in the name gets extra favorite points. And it sounds like it's just cool to hang with. Gila Monster is <laughs> down to hang. Yeah, I want to eat and then go to sleep. It, it's also just so cool <laughs> to think about, you know, we think about these barren landscapes of deserts, and that's not true mm -hmm. at all. The ecology is flush with so many different kinds of creatures and plants and general wildlife. And if not for the environment in general, just from like a soft spot, we should be interested in climate change to save the deserts and save the different ecologies. Yeah, let's get our act together. True that. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. Big thanks again to the great David Mizajewski, naturalist with the National Wildlife Federation. To learn more about the NWF, Ranger Rick Magazine, and Desert Ecology, check out the links in our show notes. For more great stories, visit gzmshows.com. It's starting. GZM Shows. Imagination Amplified.